Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Today's guest, Dr. Michael Mosley, is a New York Times bestselling author, physician, and science journalist. His books include the bestseller The Fast Diet, co-written with Mimi Spencer and translated into 32 languages, and Fast Exercise, co-authored with Peta B. Dr. Mosley trained to be a doctor at the Royal Free Hospital in London before joining the BBC, where he has been a journalist, executive producer, and most recently, a well-known television personality. He has numerous television awards, including a Royal Television Award, and was named Medical Journalist of the Year by the British Medical Association. And we're lucky to have him here today on Health Watch to talk about his latest book, The Eight-Week Blood Sugar Diet, How to Beat Diabetes Fast, and stay off medication. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Michael Mosley. Hi there. Pleasure to be there with you. So, so you it's a start sunny afternoon here in London. <laughs> uh, so you 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 start out your your book with a personal story with how you were um, prompted to write it because you yourself were diagnosed with type two diabetes and and were surprised by the diagnosis. Tell us a little bit about that uh, surprise and and how that ended up in 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 creating the eight week blood sugar diet. Yes, so this was actually four years ago, um, almost exactly, and I went to see my doctor because I had a sort of skin mark, which I thought might be a cancer or something bad, so I asked her to have a look at it, and she said, actually, it's fine, uh, but let's do a blood test while you're here, just kind of, you know, check out your cholesterol, your blood sugar levels, things like that. And then uh, she rang me later to say, I am really sorry, your blood sugar levels are very high, uh, I suspect you may be a type 2 diabetic, but we need to do some more tests. So did some more tests, and she said, yes, I'm afraid you are a type 2 diabetic, and we should start you on medication. And uh, it was nasty shock because I wasn't particularly overweight. Uh, I'm 5 feet 11, and I was about 190 pounds, so a little bit. Um, and uh, But I had a family history. My dad developed diabetes in his early 50s and died of complications of diabetes uh, at the age of 72. So I guess I shouldn't have been surprised. Um, but um, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't interested in just starting on medication because the trouble is, you know, when I looked at it, I realized that people who start on medication um, frequently, I mean, almost inevitably, they stay on medication. And quite often, they have to have the medication increased. They progress. They move on to insulin. And one of the problems is that a lot of the medications you take will actually make you hungrier, which means that you'll put on more weight and you'll make your condition worse. Um, so I started to explore um, other possibilities, and one of the clear things was that if you lost weight and you increased your exercise, uh, then it would be possible, or it looked possible, uh, to reverse type 2 diabetes, and that's kind of what I did. Uh, and I lost about um, ooh, about 20 pounds over eight weeks doing something which I called intermittent fasting, um, also known as the kind of 5-2 diet, where you cut your calories two days a week and eat normally uh, five days. And this is based on research done at the National Institutes on Aging, which has shown that um, this pattern of intermittent fasting cuts your risk of diabetes, but other things as well. And then I wrote this book called The Fast Diet, which became a New York Times bestseller uh, and kind of popularized intermittent fasting in the UK, in the US, Australia, and places like that. But I was very curious as to kind of exactly what was going on. And there is a doctor in the UK 
who works um, in somewhere called Newcastle University. And for about four or five years now, he has been putting people on very low-calorie diets where they eat around 800 calories a day, and he's been doing that, and they stay on that for eight weeks. And he found that he could reverse type 2 diabetes in nearly 90% of patients doing that. You know, his, and, his research was, was really interesting that, that um, losing 10 to 15% of body weight, uh, nearly 90% of newly diagnosed people could get their diabetes absolutely. reversed. And then a, absolutely. And a significant number of people, I think about half of the people who were long-term diabetics had it reversed as well. Absolutely. And this was obviously very surprising because most people and most doctors will tell you that type 2 diabetes is an irreversible condition. Uh, the statistics are even better if you have uh, pre-diabetes, which means, you know, your blood glucose levels are raised but not yet in the diabetic range. And the good thing about this work is um, he work, he's one of Europe's foremost diabetes experts, and he also has access to a very um, good team, and they are also able, they have, you know, very sophisticated technology, MRI machines, which can kind of look inside you. So they could measure what was going on inside people as their diabetes reversed. And so um, it's um, really, my book is based on his research, uh, and he's written the foreword to it. Uh, but what I've done essentially is take his work and kind of, if you like, popularize it. Well, can you talk to us about the 5-2 diet in the sense that his work is mostly uh, calorie restriction on every yep. day, and you, you instead are using an intermittent fasting approach. Uh, tell, us, tell us the difference and um, tell us how you modeled this on a 5-2 plan. So uh, his name is Professor Roy Taylor, and he's based in Newcastle. And what he's been doing is putting people on an 800-calorie-a-day diet, um, six to 800 calories, in fact, uh, which is low but not super low, uh, and they stick to that for eight weeks. And in the clinical studies, what they found is that on average uh, they lost um, about 33 pounds. And as you said, uh, in around 90% of um, recently diagnosed type 2 diabetics, they're able to reverse their condition and uh, keep off all medication. And uh, if you had been diabetic for more than six or seven years, it was about 50%, but everyone was able to reduce their medication. Now, I see that as a very sort of viable plan, but for some people will perhaps find that hard to do, or maybe they'll want to do it for a shorter period of time. Uh, and then switch to something which is, frankly, a little bit less, you know, challenging. And so I came up with the 5-2 plan, where essentially what you do is two days a week, you cut your calories down to six, 800 calories around that sort of margin, six or 700 calories, really. Uh, and on the other five days, you eat sensibly, uh, uh, which is broadly a Mediterranean-style diet. And although the weight loss is slower, uh, what we've seen is um, similar improvements in blood glucose levels. Uh, in both cases, you need to lose around 10 to 12% of your body weight. So if you're 100, uh, say 200 kilos, sorry, 200 pounds to start with, you'd need to lose about 20 pounds. It's mainly what you're trying to do is drain the fat out of your liver and out of your pancreas because that's what's stopping your, the pancreas producing adequate amounts of insulin. And that's really what precipitates type 2 diabetes. And if you've been diabetic for quite a long time, uh, then the pancreas is damaged and it's less likely 
to reverse. So you kind of want to do it sooner rather than later. So it's it's about calorie restriction, um, however you sort of approach it. But what is surprising is that people think, oh, you know, I'm going to get starving hungry or isn't that a crash diet, isn't that terrible? But actually uh, there's a lot of evidence now that both of these patterns where you dramatically cut your calories for two days a week or indeed seven days a week, both of them are associated with improved health benefits. And the thing that surprised me and that surprised other people is most people, after a few days, they get just get used to it. Their stomach shrinks. They don't feel hungry. They just find they can kind of just continue on. In case you just stood in, we're talking today to Dr. Michael Mosley about his latest book, The Eight-Week Blood Sugar Diet, How to Beat Diabetes Fast and Stay Off Medication. It's true that intermittent fasting is a hot topic in science. You mentioned that... Um, Obviously, it's showing a lot of research for diabetes, but it's also, at least in animals, has been shown to have promise potentially around longevity and dementia prevention. Can you talk about some of the uh, things that you know about, about intermittent Absolutely. So fasting? I actually uh, made a film for PBS, uh, and uh, which was called Eat Fast, Live Longer, which was entirely about this. And if your listeners are interested, you can find it on uh, YouTube or something like that. Uh, but essentially, there's been 60 years of research into uh, intermittent fasting, by which I mean cutting your calories uh, for two, maybe three days a week, and you cut them down to about a quarter of the normal level. So that's about six or 700 calories a day, but you're only doing it two days a week. Now, in animals, what they found is that cuts the animal's risk of developing diabetes, uh, dementia, uh, heart disease, and also a variety of cancers. Now, we also have preliminary evidence that this is true in humans. You will lose weight, but you'll get these other benefits as well. And it seems to be that it's during those periods when you're not eating that your body gets on with the essential repairs, repairing DNA, getting rid of old junky cells. Now, one of the people who has been is the sort of king of this research is a guy called Dr. Mark Matson, who is uh, one of the world's foremost neuroscientists, and he's based at the National Institutes on Aging in the U.S. And what he has shown in mice is that um, he's genetically engineered these mice so that they develop dementia um, at an earlier age. And normally they will develop dementia at about the age of one, which is the equivalent of 40 or 50 in a human. Uh, when he puts them on an intermittent fasting diet, a 5-2 diet, um, which is what I call it, so the, the mice basically cut their calories two days a week, he found that they developed dementia at um, around two years, which is equivalent to 90. And when he put them on a junk food diet, a fast, you know, uh, then they developed it about nine months. And what he also found is the reason this was happening is when you cut your calories for two days a week, um, your body responds by producing a whole range of proteins and hormones which seem to protect the brain uh, in a very powerful way. Uh, and he started um, doing trials at the moment, which have been running now for two years, where he puts people who are at risk of dementia uh, on this 5-2 intermittent fasting diet, and he has shown that they start to produce much higher levels of this neuroprotective protein, um, and um, they are less likely to show signs of memory loss 
than his control group who are not on this diet. So they're eating a few less calories, but really what they're doing is they're changing the pattern in which they're eating. And um, we've seen there's um, research out of Sweden which has shown a similar benefit for type 2 diabetics. Type 2 diabetics put on this intermittent fasting pattern. Uh, they are able to reverse their diabetes. They lose weight. Uh, and they also see big improvements in um, their uh, production of insulin. You, so there is a lot of – there is 60 years of animal research, and there is now mounting – uh, evidence in humans of the benefits of just kind of changing the pattern in which you eat. And I think that's incredibly exciting. You mentioned um, the five days where you eat sensibly and you eat uh, something close to what you call the Mediterranean diet. Uh, but you've also talked about how most people don't really know what the Mediterranean diet really means in terms of what it's how it's been studied um, and how it was traditionally, which is different than how it is now. So can, can you talk a little bit more in detail about uh, what the five days of non-fasting would look like and what, uh, what a true Mediterranean diet looks yes. like? Unfortunately, people think of the Mediterranean diet as being sort of pizza and pasta and things like that. But that's really not what the sort of classical Mediterranean diet is eaten by the Greeks and the Spaniards um, is like. Um, the reason that people have got really interested in it is because we know that people from Mediterranean tend to have much lower risks of heart disease and dementia and things like that, and so people were very interested. And in Spain, they did this enormous study where they got 7,000 people, and they randomly allocated them to either going on a low-fat diet or going on what they call Mediterranean diet. So in both, both groups, they were encouraged to eat lots of fruit and vegetables, um, and, uh, you know, uh, generally healthy stuff like that. But the big difference was the people on the low-fat diet, they were encouraged to eat lots of, you know, pasta and rice and the things that we normally associate with a uh, low-fat diet. They were told to avoid oily uh, fish, to eat low, you know, fat meat, and to, you know, keep their oil to a minimum. Now, the people who were on the Mediterranean diet, on the other hand, they were encouraged to eat lots of olive oil, oily fish. Uh, they could eat fatty lamb and things like that. Uh, they were also encouraged to drink a kind of glass or so of red wine in the evening and eat dark chocolate. So they were quite a different pattern. Uh, the Mediterranean diet was a much higher fat, but generally sort of good fats, if you like, things like avocado, uh, fish, and, as I said, olive oil. And they ran this trial for six or seven years, it's still running now. And what they found is dramatic differences between the two groups. So the group who had been allocated to the Mediterranean diet, uh, they were 40% less likely to have a heart attack. The women were 70% less likely to have breast cancer. Uh, they also measured uh, all sorts of things about their brains. Uh, the people on the Mediterranean diet were much less likely to have developed uh, problems with their memory. This was quite a sort of, you know, these were people in their 50s and 60s when the trial began. Uh, in fact, by pretty well every measure you could possibly assess, they were so much healthier than those on the low-fat diet. And this is the biggest, most comprehensive, randomized trial ever done on diet. Um, so it is very, very convincing, if you like, as a piece of evidence. Um, so in my book, I describe exactly what a Mediterranean diet looks like and how you can make your diet more Mediterranean, if you like, without making, you know, huge sacrifices. Because the thing about a Mediterranean diet, it's actually very tasty. 
uh, and it just needs a bit of sort of tweaking. It is different from the average American diet, uh, but it uh, it's not a low fat diet. Uh, it's not a it's a relatively low carb diet, but not a kind of you know an Atkins low carbs. It's like forty percent carbs. Um, and it's incredibly tasty. It takes a little while to kind of, you know, if you're not into cooking with olive oil and things like that, uh, then you have to kind of get yourself comfortable with the idea you're going to be consuming quite a lot of olive oil, a lot of lemons, a lot of things like that. But it's a really, really tasty diet. And uh, in the book, I, um, I've got one of Britain's foremost nutritionists, and she's created all the menus at the back. And uh, the people who've um, done the diet um, say it's really, really tasty. And as I said, average weight loss, um, if you're doing the 100-calorie version, is around 30 pounds in eight weeks. So, um, and that is very motivating. And you also see your blood sugar levels uh, begin to fall very rapidly. Um, I would recommend that uh, you talk to your doctor before you start because uh, one of the things that will happen as well is your blood pressure will come down very fast. Um, so you will probably have to come off an awful lot of your medication fairly quickly. Um, otherwise, you know, there's a danger that you're going to be over-medicated. Uh, but certainly, uh, in my experience, uh, people's blood pressure comes down fast and their cholesterol level comes down fast and their blood sugars levels start to fall within about three or four days. Um, so if you are on any form of medication, uh, then you want to kind of be monitoring it uh, because uh, the danger is that this thing is going to happen so rapidly to you uh, that um, the drugs are not helpful. So um, do talk to your doctor about it. In the book, I also have a kind of a link to a website uh, where there is a printable advice. And indeed, I have a website called thebloodsugardiet.com where you can get advice which you can kind of um, hand to your doctor because a lot of doctors are not familiar yet with this research. It's relatively new. Uh, it's um, thoroughly accepted here in the UK, uh, but I suspect in the US it's still uh, not something that uh, many doctors are familiar with at the moment. Well, one of the things, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the myths around losing weight, because one of the things that you really encourage is rapid weight loss, which goes, at least in the United States, counter yes. to the common wisdom around the best way to have sustainable weight loss. So can you talk a little bit about the science behind um, sure. the best way uh, to lose weight? That, supr that surprised me when I first came across it, and I actually came across it in a paper written in the New England Journal of Medicine, which you, as you know, is probably the most prestigious, most respected medical journal in the world. Researchers fight to get into that journal. And there was a paper there which was put together by uh, America's foremost uh, weight loss specialists, and it was called Facts, Myths, and Presumptions About Obesity. And uh, myth number one uh, was that slow weight loss is better than rapid weight loss. And they said, if you look at all the trials done over the last 20 years, uh, if you actually want to lose weight and keep it off, then rapid weight loss is more effective. That's what the, diet, that's what the trials show. There's been a recent big trial in Australia which showed exactly that. And there's a big trial being done at the moment in Oxford University in the UK, uh, which is showing pretty much exactly the same thing. Um, and what they said is the idea of slow and steady weight loss as being the thing to do uh, was based on really some very unfortunate 
uh, diets which were done in the 70s in the U.S. where people were eating like 200 calories a day. And unfortunately, they weren't getting adequate amounts of protein. It was both too low and it was also very poorly done. Um, and um, as you know, you need adequate amounts of protein because protein is the one nutrient your body does not store. And your body doesn't really use protein to, as an energy source. It uses it much more to kind of build your cells, to build your immune system, to do all sorts of other things. And it's absolutely essential for new cells. So if you're not getting enough good quality protein in your diet, then what will happen is your body will scavenge it from other places. It will take it out of your muscle, for example. So you'll lose muscle, and that's a really bad thing. So um, the number one thing you need to do on any diet is make sure you're getting adequate amounts of protein. That's about 50 grams of protein a day, and that will also keep you fuller. So uh, there are lots of crash diets out there which are really bad. They're really, you know, the nutrient content is not adequate. They are too low. They are too fast. Some of those juicing diets, unless you're eating, again, adequate protein with it, I would strongly recommend you don't do them because if you're just living on juice, you're not getting much protein, and that's a thoroughly bad idea. So um, as I said, uh, a lot of the myths around it being slow weight loss being better, uh, the reason, the fear is because there are an awful lot of bad diets out there. But if you do it properly uh, and you have a balanced, albeit relatively low-calorie diet, uh, then the evidence is strong uh, that people who go on it uh, will obviously lose weight faster. They're more likely to achieve their goals. And as I said, strangely enough, they are no more likely to then put on weight uh, than people who lose it gradually. In fact, uh, they are less likely to put on weight afterwards. Uh, the experts I spoke to said, look, uh, the weight loss you lose in the first month or so predicts success at three months, six months, a year, five years, ten years. That's kind of what we know. Uh, because it's very motivating. But I also have a big section in the book on um, how do you maintain the weight loss afterwards, and that's based on conversations I've had with literally hundreds of weight loss experts around the world because there is a huge gap between what the real weight loss people know, what doctors know, and what is commonly believed. And uh, that's kind of what this book is trying to do. It's trying to bridge that gap. And can... Can you talk a little bit about the myth around breakfast as well? You, you, we always hear that breakfast is both vital to eat for weight loss, but also that it's the most important meal of the day. So can, can you tell us a little bit about Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Now, that is based generally on surveys where what they do is they look, at, they look at people who are slim and people who are overweight, and commonly they find that people who are overweight tend to be more likely to be breakfast skippers. They tend to, they're less likely to eat breakfast. And so if you look at that on the face of it, that seems quite compelling evidence. People who are slim, they're more likely to eat breakfast, and therefore it seems like a good idea. Now, personally, I love breakfast, uh, and I would be bereft if I didn't have a decent breakfast in the morning. But there are other people, you know, breakfast just simply means breaking your fast. Uh, and that doesn't have to happen at 8 in the morning. It could happen at 10 in the morning. It could happen at midday. And in the paper I cited um, in the New England Journal of Medicine, myth number two was that uh, breakfast is the most important meal of the day and you really have to have it and it will you know, help you lose weight. And uh, again, what they did is they looked at a lot of studies where what they do is they get people who are 
breakfast eaters, breakfast skippers, and they switch habits. So the people who were uh, eating breakfast were asked to skip it, and the people who were, who were skipping breakfast were asked to eat it, and they followed them for you know three or four months. And what they found was both groups lost some weight, but actually it was the change in habit that seemed to be important. It was not at all. So if you were normally a breakfast eater and you decided to skip breakfast, then uh, you lost a bit of weight, but vice versa as well. That making people uh, who uh, normally skip breakfast eat breakfast isn't necessarily any better. Uh, We all have our individual preferences. I mean, clearly, if you skip breakfast and then gorge on chocolate or a muffin at 11 in the morning, then that's a thoroughly bad idea. But if you just simply are not hungry and then at 11 in the morning you have a kind of decent breakfast of something sort of protein-rich like eggs or something like that, uh, then that will keep you full until later in the day. So it's not, it's not the skipping breakfast which, or having your breakfast at 8 o'clock, which is the important thing. The important thing is what you eat and when you eat it. And indeed, there's quite good evidence that the advantage of having a later breakfast, if you like, uh, is that you have a longer period without food, uh, and that's actually a good thing. Because another of the myths is that, you know, you should eat lots of small meals. But actually, again, when they look at the science of it, they discovered that uh, people who ate exactly the same amount of calories, but either as two meals a day or as five meals a day, the people who were eating it as two meals a day, they lost far more weight. Uh, they saw much bigger improvements in their cholesterol levels, their blood sugar levels, and they also reported feeling fuller and better mm-hmm. on it. So, again, this idea that you should eat lots of small meals is a total myth. Um, and uh, it just seems to encourage weight gain because it does not um, kind of fill you up. If anything, it actually encourages you to eat more. Well, I wish we had a lot more time, Dr. Mosley, but maybe to, to end the program, we could. you had mentioned that a lot of the book is dedicated to once you've lost weight, also how to maintain that weight loss. What Could you maybe name one or two brief things that... Um, that people can do to maintain the weight loss that are different than the initial weight loss program? Sure. Um, so I lost, as I said, 20 pounds uh, four years ago, and I'm the same weight that I was then. Um, so one of the things is you need to you know, weigh yourself and particularly measure your gut frequently. Uh, again, the myth is that you shouldn't do it often. Actually, the research is very clear. You need to do it often, probably two or three times a week. And as soon as you start to creep up, you need to do something about it. Um, I'm afraid you do need to increase your activity. The exercise is not a great way of losing weight, but it's a fantastic way of keeping the weight off. So, you know, if you invest in a pedometer, one of the things that people report as well is once they've lost the weight, they're much more inclined to do exercise, to get out there, to get on their bike, to go for a walk, to take the stairs. One of my, have a few simple rules. One of my rules is I always take the stairs. You know, even if it's five, six flights of stairs, I always take the stairs. Uh, and that's kind of a simple rule for myself. And it's a sort of absolute rule. Dr. Uh, Dr. Mosley, unfortunately, I have to jump in because <laughs> we're out of time. But do you have a website yeah. you can point our listeners to? Absolutely. It's called thebloodsugardiet.com. And the, the book is called The Eight-Week Blood Sugar Diet. Well, it's a pleasure having you on Health Watch today. Thank you. Bye. We're talking today to Dr. Michael Mosley, the author of The Eight-Week Blood Sugar Diet, How to Beat Diabetes Fast and Stay Off Medication. You've been listening to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host.